0: Our first reading from the book of Genesis in the 45th chapter. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you or for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. But God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have, been, have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians in the 15th chapter. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, So also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body, as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel in our gospel reading from Luke's gospel in the sixth chapter. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Judge not and you will not be judged condemn not and you will not be condemned forgive and you will be forgiven give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you this is the gospel of our lord maybe seated and Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you have shown us in Jesus, and the promise that you have given to us to be present through your word and through your sacraments. And at this time, we pray, Lord, that you move by your spirit. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week's text... Whether you got to hear it once or twice, was one that was grounded in the beginning of a sermon, of Jesus's sermon, right? Jesus's sermon on the plain, as it is called in Luke. Um, and it was quite an interesting text, considering the fact that that sermon and the beginning of that sermon basically leveled us, it leveled us before God, okay? Those that were high in their own mind, Jesus brought down by calling them cursed, calling out woes upon them. And those that were low and needy and feeling like they had no place before God, Jesus lifts up and he says, no, I call you blessed. I call you loved. So on that level plane and that level place, we're left, well, leveled before God. Having any standing before God only because of Jesus. Whether it's a word that was needed to bring us down from our own mindset and heights of where we built our own selves up or whether it was a word to bring us up because of knowing our neediness and that on our own we have no place before God. But right there and leveled is where we were left Wanting some sort of word, some sort of direction after that, something to walk away from and say, okay, Jesus, this is what you want me to do now. Got it. And so today's text is, is exactly following and picking up where Jesus left off in the last part, gives us some of that word. But even that word is hard. Because it still seems so opposite. Last week's word of the ones where we would look out and think that they were blessed by God and Jesus is saying they're cursed and those where we would look out and say there's no way God could be showing them any favor in life and he's calling them blessed. All of that seems so upside down and then this word today is just as upside down. But it's one that we need to hear. In fact, more often than not, I need to hear it there's times at which preachers actually have to preach to themselves. You all may or may not know that, but as much as a preacher may be preaching words out to you as you have sent your preachers into God's Word to bring it back out to you, there's a lot of times when we're speaking words that we ourselves need to hear pretty often. And so as I hear Jesus preaching this sermon, it's one that settles down pretty deep. Love those who hate you. Pray for those that abuse you. You see, one temptation as a preacher a lot of times is to speak a lot of words that just make people smile and laugh and make sure that everybody likes you. And those are words that are fun and good, but sometimes they're not the words that are necessary. There's also temptations of wanting to answer every argument in exactly the right way so that um, you're really not listening to what the other person has to say. You're just spouting off what needs to be said from your own opinion and own mind and, and not really showing love for somebody that might be coming with opposition. And so it's a hard thing at times. But there's so many of these things that seem upside down. I mean, the culture that Jesus was preaching into, the mindset of the day was give to somebody so that they would give to you. That's a little bit different than what he was telling them to do. Treat others as you would have them treat you, right? You see, in the other one, it was, I'm going to give so that you'll give to me, as opposed to, I'm going to take care of you the way I wish you took care of me. So was a very different sort of thing. So even in Jesus' preaching, it's backwards from what the people would expect. And in our day and age, it's something similar. I mean, there is not a lot of um, agreement as people would hear these words of love those who hate you and pray for those that abuse you and give to those who take from you. That's usually not the mindset of most of the folks in our culture. Most of the folks in our day and age expect judgment, not mercy. They expect payment, not free or forgiveness of things, right? I mean, think, okay, if you had a neighbor that came over to your house to borrow a particular item, whatever the item might be a leaf blower, a lawn mower, a sewing machine, a child, I don't know. Whatever they wanted to, maybe the child's a bad example. But if they take that thing, right, they take that thing and they go to go use it, how quickly do you expect it back? Right. (laughs) That's why I said the child's a bad example. So, How quickly do you expect that thing to be given back? If they come in and they say, hey, I just need it for the afternoon and then now all of a sudden a month and a half has gone by, do you go knock on their door? Do you expect it back? Do you just let it go until maybe the next time that you actually need it? Does it just sit and roll within your mind about how they said it was going to be a day or just an afternoon and then now it hasn't been and can you trust them with anything else if they ever come again and ask to borrow anything? It starts to get hard we expect things to be given back we expect payment for the things that are offered we expect those things yet in these words of jesus we also hear give and don't expect anything in return you see these are hard words that seem very upside down and backwards in a culture that expects like i said judgment and payment as opposed to mercy forgiveness giving And as I hear these words, I wonder, too, if Jesus was preaching a little bit to himself. Not that he would have ever done any of the wrong and sinful things by any means. He was sinless and innocent in everything that he did. Yet how much, I wonder, of the details did he know that were going to be coming up in the coming years on that journey towards the cross? How many of those details did he know where he was going to be absolutely hated and needed to show love? Where he was going to be absolutely abused and he was going to need to pray for them? How many times his cloak or his tunic would be taken from him and he would just give and give even more? How many times people would come against him and yet he would turn back with love And forgiveness for them. That's what He's done for us. I mean, as He sends us out and sends His disciples of that day out with that word of love your enemies and pray for those who abuse and persecute you and give to those that ask of you, He is not saying do those things in order to be called mine, but He's saying I've already called you blessed. I've already told you that in your need I've taken care of everything and I have given you the identity as a blessed child of God and told you that God loves you. See, and then we see Jesus actually make that happen as He is the one that went to the cross for you. In our sin, as we show hate towards God's Word, He turns around with words of love and forgiveness. As our sins bear down upon him as he was hanging on the cross, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. As we take his words and abuse them, he turns around and gives of himself more and more as he gives of himself through his word and in body and blood, through communion and all these different ways in which God gives his presence through Christ for you. In your need of having nothing, he turns around and hands you his cloak of righteousness and says, you're mine. I love you, and I have given you everything. Shown you a love that doesn't make sense in the world by any means, yet there's very little that God does that actually ends up making sense to us at all. Because it's simply out of his love for you that he does all these things. And then sends you out to love one another. It's in that love of God that we are so thankful that he has done everything necessary for us and calls us his own. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. That you have taken care of every necessary thing. That you have made us yours. And that you have shown us a way that does not make sense in the world, yet it is a perfect way. We pray, though, Lord, for your strength to be courageous enough to show the love that you have shown us. And we pray, Lord, that you guide us by your spirit and lead us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise and we will sing.